Well, values, uh, values are very important, aren't they? We've been uh, spending a couple of weeks talking about values and the importance of what that means for us. In fact, um, week number one, I defined for you the, va- the meaning of value and, and what that means. And here was the definition that we're working with. We said that values were to consider someone or something to be more important or to be beneficial. So, so values is something that's outward of us, and it's to have a high opinion of within us. So when we think about our values, our values are to be something that we hold high, that, that it's something that means something to us, it's credible, it's our core, it's at the very center, it's the very essence of who we are, and that's what our values are. So we're in week three of this series called Our Values, and we've been talking about the importance, and I shared with you in week one as well as last week, that many people across the world are leaving churches because they say that churches don't know who they are anymore. And it's as if the church and society is in this crisis of values. And so we know and we understand the importance of making sure that we can define what those values are that we have as a church community as St. Paul. I shared with you also that our vision team has been working together and every evening at 7.10, all 15 of our vision persons stop what we're doing and we take a time of what we call a call to prayer. So we take this process very seriously as we seek God's um, anointing as well as God's uh, presence for us in defining what these values are. In week one, we talked about our first value, and that value is that we love God and others, and we love because God loves us. And and I shared with you that that was built upon John 13, 34, that Jesus said as he was in the upper room and he broke bread with the disciples, he said to them, a new command I give you, and and he said that, that you are to love others as I have loved you. And because of the way you love others, he said, that's how the world will know that you are my disciples. So we know that love is the credible foundation of what it means to hold a value in Jesus Christ, and we're called to do that. The second value we introduced last week, and that value says that that we strive to be authentic. We strive to be authentic. We want to live out what Jesus taught us. And I shared with you that on our own, uh, we're going to always make choices of the flesh. But Paul, the great apostle, said that we are to be imitators of Christ. And when we're imitators of Christ, uh, I pulled in for you the understanding that that's when we realize that we have within us the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit are things like compassion and kindness and love and and self-control. And we talked about the importance of that. And we said that when we live into that, when we live into that fruit of the Spirit, which is in all of us, that we can be authentic in who we are as Jesus is authentic. Well, this last uh, couple of weeks, I've been learning a lot from my small group. And um, if you're not in a small group ministry, let me just say, uh, take an opportunity to get in one. Um, If you're not in a Sunday class, if you're not in a small group that meets during the week, these are life-changing groups that will have an impact in your life. Uh, my group has been together now for about seven years. And in that, we've, we've really stretched each other and we've grown in, in love and compassion. And many of you can share uh, what your groups mean with you. But what I've been learning lately is, is that uh, we've been learning together in a new series that we're studying called Uncluttered. And we've been looking at what would our life be like if we just uncluttered it with all the things that bog us down. 
if we uncluttered it with the way we spend our time and, and by saying yes to things that we should be saying no to, if we could unclutter it by, by the things that we do during the days, the hours, and the weeks, how could that free up more of us so that we could be of greater value to God? How can we unclutter our life so that therefore the resources that we have are no longer spent on things that aren't going to have an impact in the world, but, but focus on things that will have an impact in heaven. So Patty and I, we've taken this very seriously with our group, and, um, and basically we've been looking at ways to unclutter our life. And for us, we have come to recognize that where we have to unclutter is how we spend our time. You know, so we, we've started looking at a, a roadmap of, of what do we do in the mornings and what happens during the days and how do we spend our evenings. And so we've made a commitment to find out uh, what, what we've been spending our time in. So we've realized is that, that we spend too much time uh, on social media and, and watching the 24-hour news that's uh, nonstop. We found out that we're spending just too much time doing things that don't bring any value to our life and let alone have a kingdom impact. So we've made a concerted effort to start dialing down those kinds of things. And one thing I've also done is, <clears throat> is make sure that in the evening, in the late hours when I'm going to bed, that I turn off that incessant ding that happens on my cell phone every time I get a text message, a group text, or an email. And so, so we have to kind of understand how to unclutter ourselves. You see, the scripture is very clear. You and I cannot trust in the things that clutter our lives. In fact, uh, what we find out is that our safety and our security cannot be rooted in the things of what we produce here in the world. Our security and our safety can only be brought on by, by God. So what that says to us is, is that, you know, we can't save every piece of our children's artwork hoping that we can always keep them young. We can't hold on to pictures of our loved ones who have died and, and, and losing it when we have misplaced one, hoping that that will bring them back. We have to start thinking about how we orchestrate our lives for the greatest of impact that it will be in being heralds and ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You see, our cars, our houses, our toys, our clothing, the rust, uh, all that, they rust, they break, they age, and all those things. But I found out, though, this week, there's one thing, guys, that is coming back. It's the leisure suit. <laughs> so if you have, Robert said, oh, boy, if you have a leisure suit, make sure you hold on to that puppy because it's coming back. And remember those shirts we would wear that would button, like, way down to here? You know, and, and we used to, when I was young, we would, like, tape, like, wigs so, like, we had, had chest hair, you know? I mean, you know, hey, listen, I'm not the only one that did that. You know exactly where I'm going with that, Okay. But Jesus said that we cannot hold on to those things. In fact, he said, because where your treasure is, there is where your heart is also. So we see the significance of that. You see, God is not a God of stuff, is he? God is a God of spirit. God is a God of hope and love. God is a God of restoration. And we are reminded that God invests in our bodies and in our minds and in our souls and God is not interested in how much time that we, that we waste on ourselves and other things. God wants us to focus that time solely upon him. Barbara uh, Catherine Crafton, she wrote in her book, Bread and Wine, she wrote this. She said, uh, it was like a prayer. She said, we travail, we are heavy laden. Refresh us, O homeless, jobless, 
possessionless Savior. You came naked and naked you go. And so it is for us. So it is for all of us. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about the Savior that we worship? Have you thought about the Savior that we claim? And a lot of what we know and understand of Jesus' life is not reflective of the things that you and I chase. Jesus spent his time. Jesus spent his talents. Jesus spent his treasure on things that were of value for the kingdom of God. And I truly believe that's what pulls us back day in and day out to the words written in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34, where Jesus says, quit worrying about the things that you worry about, but focus first on the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things, all that is needed, all that is important will be given unto you. Amen? And we see the significance that comes with that. Not long ago, I was trying to help my parents declutter. And um, as I sat at their house, and, and they have a room. In fact, it was the room that one of my brothers and I shared when we were growing up. It's now become their storage room, okay? And uh, so I go in that room, and I'm trying to help them declutter. And I said, listen, you all need to start going through this stuff because soon you won't be able to open the door. And I said, and why are you holding on to all this anyway? So we did what was called the three-bag rule. We got those giant extra heavy-duty trash bags you get at the hardware store, okay? You know, the kind that I could literally step in and jump up and down and it wouldn't tear. And uh, so, so I said, one bag needs to be what you're going to keep, one bag needs to be what you're going to donate, and one bag needs to be what you throw away. Well, the exercise started off very nicely. I thought we were making progress until my dad found his old 8-track player. <laughs> now, for those of you that are, are a lot younger, an 8-track player, that was what we used before we learned how to live stream music or to stream music, okay? And I said to him, I said, Dad, you need to get rid of this. He said, son, I might need this one day. And I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, no, I, I might need this. And, and so, so we got into this conversation about how to unclutter and how to free himself from the grips of the eight-track player. Again, Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and where they will steal. So we need to learn something this morning. What you value, what you value is going to drive your behavior. What you invest in says who you are. How you choose to spend your time reflects the person and the priorities that you are making in life. If you are investing and if you are valuing something, uh, then you're going to pour all of your life into that. And that's going to take every bit of who you are because you support that. If it's something that you don't value, you're not going to spend time in it. You're not going to invest in it. You're not going to uh, be involved in it. You're just going to kind of let it go. But when we think about values, there's one source that you and I must go to to test that our values are the right values. And, and who is that? Is it the National Enquirer? No. Is it a politician? No. It's Jesus Christ. And we learn in the scriptures that God makes it very known, and there's no secret about it. It's there. So let us make sure that we're reading our Bibles, whether it's on your phone with an app or whether you're reading it online or whether you have the physical book. Just make sure you're in God's Word and reading the importance of that. We learn from Jesus what it means to be generous because Jesus is God with skin on here on earth, and we learn the importance of that. The Apostle John nails it when he tells us why we're to be generous. 
Why are we to be generous with everything that there is about us? Here's what he says. For God, say this with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see the word that's underlined there? God gave. So giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of our treasures, it doesn't start with us. In fact, it's not even based upon how we might feel about it. It starts with God because God gave first and God gave, as Paul said, the indescribable gift that we are called then to be givers as well. So, so what does this definition mean? What does it mean to give? Let's look at this definition. To freely transfer the possession of something or someone or something to someone to hand it over to freely there's no compulsion there's no i feel like i have to there's no pressure it's just that i want to do this and to carry out or to perform a specified action so if we put webster's definition and we can trust that right webster's been around a long time if we put webster's definition in, doesn't that describe what god did that god freely gave transferred the possession of something jesus to someone, you and me, in the world, and that God did that to carry out a specified action. The forgiveness of our sins, the battle against the sin that you and I commit on the cross, Jesus did that. So God's perspective on generosity is really important for us to understand, and it's understood in that it begins with the cross of Jesus. And because God chose to give his son so that we might have life, we learn that giving comes from the generous heart of God. Now, let me, let me back that up for a second. If you're like me, giving can play a game on you. If I'm not happy with somebody, I'm not going to give them much of my time. You with me? If you're not happy with somebody. If, if I'm angry at something, I may not be as generous financially to that i'm making those decisions what i'm trying to get us to see is it has nothing to do with what you and i think hope want or want to do it's solely based upon what god did that generosity is not something that we decide we want to do the giving of our time for the kingdom work is not based upon what we want to do it's based upon the sole fact that god first gave jesus and when we use that as the foundation, we have a different perspective of what it means to be generous of who we are. There's a story in uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. It's in 2 Corinthians 8. And Paul starts to, to talk to the church in Corinth. And the one thing that we learn about the church in Corinth at that particular time is, is they had kind of lost sight of who they were as a church. In fact, what we learn in this story of what Paul says is that they were like playing church, but they weren't being church. Paul says that they had stopped the collection, and that meant that they stopped pooling resources to make sure that people that the church was ministering to could be helped. And, and there, so there was something going on. And Paul said to the church in Corinth, you need to learn a valuable lesson with this. You know, even in our world today, we kind of do this comparative stuff. And, and I'm not sure Paul was comparing in a sense of monetary value, but I think Paul was comparing a spiritual value. So Paul said to the church in Corinth, he says, you're rich. 
You're, you're wealthy. You have resources. You have educated people. You can make a difference. But let me tell you about a church in Macedonia, he says. That church has gone through trouble after trial after trouble after trial. In fact, they are so poor, they're not just poor, they're po. okay? They are po. They have nothing. And he said, and yet the spirit of generosity that existed in that church blew me away. And let's, let's look at what uh, Paul says here. He says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace so the grace that he's talking about here is the generosity of God, the grace. We want you to know about God's generosity that's being played out in this community, that God has given to the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. This meant that they were willing to go beyond what anybody expected. They were willing to go beyond any thought of what they could or could not do. They just were going to. He says, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded for us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Can you imagine if our churches today, if we all pleaded? Can you imagine if you all stood in the line outside of my office and you all had one thing in mind. I plead with you, Pastor. I plead with you to be generous of my time. I plead with you to allow me to be generous with my treasure. I plead with you to allow me to be generous with my, my talent. Can you imagine how that would just change the dynamics of Christianity around the world? And Paul is highlighting that here. They didn't do it as expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. That sentence is extremely important. They didn't give because Paul told them, you have to give. They didn't give because Paul said, here's our annual stewardship thing. We need you to support next year. They gave because God gave to them. They gave because God gave Jesus to die on the cross. They gave because they wanted to be Christ on earth and be able to be as Jesus was. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, <clears throat> in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that, that you also excel in this, what is it, grace of giving. Excel in this fact that God has given, and therefore you joyfully want to give too. You see, participating in, in the collection, participating in the life of service of God's church is so important. And that's why Paul was making sure that the church in Corinth knew about this. He wanted them to know that their participation was a make or break, that by their participation, that God's kingdom work could be done. But he did not want them to do it because they were scorned into it or manipulated into it or pressured into it. He said, first serve God, and out of your joy in serving God, then serve me as your apostle, and therefore we can see the importance of what comes here. I think this is one of the reasons why Jesus pointed out the story about the widow, uh, the story of the widow where, where she's in line to give to the temple treasury. And we see a, um, an apt opportunity in this gift of giving by, 
by treasure, so to speak, we see what happens in this is there were some people who were giving to the treasury because, well, the Levitical law and the law of Moses said that they had to give and it was their duty and they were going to go ahead and they were going to do that begrudgingly. Oh, I got to do it. Boom, it goes in. Then he says that there were people, Jesus said, there were people that, that were lining up to give and they were kind of like dropping in their coins one at a time. Now, have you ever taken a coin and dropped it into a metal bucket? You know that sound that it makes? Now, can you imagine standing there and dumping a bunch of them in this metal collection bin and the sound that it makes and everybody's attracted to that? Whoa, that must be a person of great wealth. Listen to how many coins they are dropping in. And Jesus says that that, that was happening because the person who was giving wanted to impress everybody around them. But then he says, but then there's this, this widow. He doesn't say she has two copper coins. He says two small copper coins, which means that they were probably uh, less than uh, the value of our penny today. And she places those in. And Jesus said, if we take a step back and we look at the generosity of all of these individuals, who do you think is closer to heaven than the others? He said, it's the woman. Because she gave out of a generous spirit. She gave sacrificially. She saw that, that she deserved to give back to God of her time, and in this case, her, her treasure, so that because God had given and was ready to give Jesus Christ on a cross, that God was ready to do something new in this Messiah that was here on earth. So God created us with this willingness to give. And God created and said that, that we are to find a way to reorient our life so that we are not doing things that take up our time for nonsense, that we are not withholding or giving willy-nilly to things that don't have a kingdom impact. We are to unclutter ourselves so that we can become more generous in, in all things. You know, God created us with this willingness to give and, and, and to give with others, but, but there's two things that can come. If your mind is like mine, I think that my mind rolls in a sense that, that, that I want to think good thoughts, that I want to be positive about things. But every now and then, um, I, I tell you, I struggle with that. Do, do you struggle with that too? That you, that you want to do the right thing, but, but all of a sudden something kind of just overwhelms you a little bit and it kind of pulls you back and you're not real sure. And then you got to really pray about it and then God gets you back on the right path. But in these instances, what we find out is that when it comes to us being generous, when it comes to us being generous with our time, when it comes to us to being generous with our talent, when it comes time for us to be generous with, with our treasure, we have these voices that speak inside of us. And the first one is the voice of fear. The voice of fear speaks very loudly. And the voice of fear says, you can't give your time because then you won't have time to do what you want to do. You can't give your treasure because you won't have enough. You can't do this because. Robert nailed it earlier when he said, that's the enemy. The enemy speaks into us. And I'm so glad we sang the hymn, Shepherd, Savior like a shepherd lead us, because Jesus' voice is distinct, and the voice of Christ is heard by Christians. And we must not be deceived by the one who's coming to rob. The second voice that moves us away from this willingness of generosity is the voice of self-gratification. 
the voice of self-gratification. Our culture teaches us that we want to make sure that we're spending our time promoting ourselves. That's why so many of us are attracted by the number of likes we get on Facebook, because we want to make it about us. You know, self-gratification, and, and, and the scriptures tell us that we must surrender that. In fact, Paul would write that we must empty ourselves and become more like Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to combat those voices. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings us into compatibility and to honor God in the way in which God created us by that design. I truly believe that God created all of us to have that spirit of generosity in us. We have that gene in us. Why? Because we are authentic like Jesus is. Why are we generous? Because we, we want to love others as God loved us. And that leads us to our third value this morning. And here it is. We believe generosity is the heart of God and we get to give. We believe generosity is the heart of God and we get to give. So let's take this value this week and let's wrestle with that. Let me encourage you to do your own study in the scriptures of generosity and giving and where it comes back to the heart of God. And when you and I can live into this value, people will no longer question what does the church believe. They'll know. 